I'm Cameron Silsby, and this is the Van City Church Podcast. The following teaching is part two in the series, Hearing God. For 2,000 years, the scriptures have been considered foundational by the church when it comes to hearing from God. Sitting with the scriptures, these words breathed out by God's Spirit can yield a whole host of different experiences. When we read the scriptures, what should we expect? Years ago... I stood looking into the eyes of a friend as I handed him a Bible. It was the first Bible anyone had ever given him that he could recall. And what I saw on his face was apprehension and fear as he took the Bible from me. And it made sense. Uh, He's a man from West Africa, from a strong Muslim family. And in his culture, he's not known by his first and last name. He's known by his mother's name. He introduces himself by his first name, followed by son of, and then his mother's name. So in his culture, I would introduce myself as Cameron, son of Ramona. So you can imagine that his family is a deeply ingrained part of his identity. As I handed him the Bible, it felt explosive, powerful, dangerous, like I was handing him like a live grenade. If he were to believe the words in this book and to come to faith in Jesus, he would most likely be disowned by his family. He would be giving up a part of his identity that he's had since birth. In that same season of life, I had two other friends interested in the Bible who didn't follow Jesus. Uh, We got to talking one night while we were hanging out and decided that we'd spend time reading the Bible together. They wanted to, you know, learn about Jesus and God, and so we kind of figured out that we'd start in the Gospel of Matthew, and I would just read it out loud to them. They could stop me whenever they wanted to ask questions, and occasionally, you know, I could stop to fill in a detail or two that I thought might be helpful So we went for it, and uh, I was having a blast. It was exhilarating to be reading the scriptures to two friends I cared deeply about and to have them engage with the text and to be introduced to Jesus. I thought it was going great. But then I looked up from the part of Matthew I was reading to say something, and one of the friends was dead asleep, and the other one looked like they weren't far behind. Not so powerful, you know, more like a sleep aid. We are currently in the second week of a series we are calling Hearing God. We are exploring different ways that we hear from God, and for 2,000 years of church history and tradition that has spanned continents and countless cultures, followers of Jesus have believed that the, the foundational way that we hear from God is through the Scriptures. Now, that's a pretty broad generalization, and while it's true, uh, it certainly has been more complicated than it might let on. Uh, There have been all sorts of controversies around translation, uh, translations, who who gets access to the scriptures, and who gets to interpret the scriptures. People have risked their lives or have died striving to translate the scriptures into their own language. And this isn't just some problem Christians in the Roman Empire faced or Protestants during the Reformation in the 1500s or or Catholic missionaries in Japan in the 1600s. 
Currently, right now, there are over 312 million people living in countries where their only access to the Bible is through smuggled copies. That doesn't include countries where there is some kind of restriction on the access or the, the printing of the Bible, but allows some type of private ownership. But before I go uh, really any further, let's acknowledge something here. Uh, I think it's a fairly typical experience that at some point or points in a person's apprenticeship to Jesus, they will sit down in the morning, open up their Bible, read some words, close it, and nothing of importance will have seemingly taken place. Nothing that felt special about that time or those words that were read, and it goes on like that for a week and a month and even maybe a year, and even maybe longer. Far from feeling like a loaded, explosive text that would be worthwhile to risk your life in order to make it accessible to someone else, it's hard to remember what you just read an hour ago. Indifference, apathy, frustration, despair, confusion, and, and, and you're left wondering, why keep reading this thing if it's not actually doing anything? Or maybe you wonder, what's wrong with me? Why doesn't God speak to me through the Bible like he seems to speak to other people? If you were here back in January, uh, Josh walked through what we believe about the scriptures as a church. If you'd like to hear more about what the Bible is, give that teaching a listen. It's really, really good stuff. If you have questions about the origin of the Bible, why we should consider it important, how we have modern English translations, check out the Bible Project. They have a number of helpful videos that thoughtfully respond to those worthwhile questions. Tonight's teaching probably won't satisfy those questions about what the Bible is or why we should believe the Bible is important. Instead, we're going to be talking about the Bible as the way we hear God. Sound good? Are you guys up for that? Cool. Okay, so the text that Trev just read from earlier, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Or there's this one. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Or from one of uh, Jesus' disciples, Peter, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. These are texts from the Bible describing the Bible. Maybe they resonate with you. Uh, the Bible as living and active, useful, spoken from God, loaded with God's Spirit. You've sat down in front of the scriptures, and there was something you know, potent, beautiful, moving, helpful, or insightful in those words. They spoke to you in that moment in a, in a uniquely powerful way. And because of that, it was easy to believe that God was speaking to you in that moment, that God cared about your life enough to say something to you through the scriptures. There is intimacy through the word. But what about the times the scriptures seem dead and lifeless? 
disconnected from your day-to-day life, very human rather than divine. Before we answer that, let's do a quick overview of what the scriptures actually are. Again, if this piques your interest, go back and listen to Josh's teaching on the scriptures from January. So, if you were to open your Bible at the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and read the entire thing through, ending in Revelation chapter 22, verse 21, you would have read one long, cohesive story. And what's wilder about it is that this story is made up of many parts from a number of different authors from different cultures spanning upwards of a thousand years. It would have been like the beginning of book one of the seven-book Harry Potter series being written by someone in the year 1023 in medieval Paris, and slowly through the centuries, the series being added to by various authors, ending with the concluding lines of book seven, recently finished by some author in, say, Kenya. But unlike the fictional narrative of Harry Potter, the Bible tells its story by using a a number of different literary genres. There is narrative, but there's also large parts of poetry. There is legal code, but there's also a genre called apocalyptic, which is a genre we don't even have. Uh, I like to think of apocalyptic literature as prophetically symbolic, abstract painting and writing. And that's not even all the different genres found within the scriptures. The point is, Unlike a series of novels, the scriptures tell a unified story utilizing a number of different literary genres, which require a nuanced approach to reading the scriptures. Just as you wouldn't read poetry with the same expectations you would a newspaper or a textbook with the same expectations you would with a restaurant menu, so too with the scriptures. So you don't read this line of poetry from the Psalms, because you are my help, I sing to you in the shadow of your wings, the same as you do this line from Mark's gospel. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. If you did, if you read those two the same, either God apparently has wings that are visible and cast a shadow if you take this line in the Psalms as a literal account, or You read that line from the Gospels as poetically symbolic, and you're left to wonder, you know, what a few days later and Capernaum symbolize in their poetic depth. One is a line of poetic symbolism that points to something true about experiencing God's closeness and protection. The other is a line of historical narrative. Jesus got his feet dirty walking around in ancient Capernaum and called it home. It's very down-to-earth stuff. But don't worry, uh, there is no final test on how to read the Bible in order to enter God's kingdom, and you have time to sit and learn how to read the scriptures well day by day. Really, you have your entire life. But I don't want us to miss the fact that in all of this, that the scriptures aren't just a story about God. They are the story God tells to us. They are a story from God. The Bible is God's story about him and us, and it's a story that tells us who he is and and who we are meant to be. 
It's a story that reveals God's goodness, his mercy, his justice and judgment, his patience, and ultimately his love for, for us and his creation. It's a story that invites us to witness the extent by which God goes to rescue the world, his incarnation, his death, and his resurrection. It can also be a brutal story, <laughs> intense, confusing, disturbing. It can be easy to feel these things when reading the scriptures and wonder why these words seem so human. It's easy to think at times that maybe these writings are merely by ancient authors from their limited perspective and worldview. How, how could words from God sound like that? And there's not one simple answer to a question like that. Again, resources like the Bible Project take a lot of time to thoughtfully address those worthwhile questions. We don't have time to fully explore the topic tonight. But what I will point out is about, you know, how messy the Bible seems, how troubling it can be, how not divine the scriptures can appear at times. I want to point out this, a story that is honest about humanity will at times be brutal, confusing, disturbing, troubling, what have you, precisely because humanity is broken and messed up. That's the world we live in and have perpetuated to some extent. The war in Ukraine is brutal, confusing, disturbing, and troubling. Child abuse or child cancer is brutal, confusing, disturbing, and troubling. Selfishness, pride, racism, sexism can all be experienced as brutal, confusing, disturbing, and troubling. Maybe God's story reflects how things really are, not only with him, but also with us. Perhaps to tell an honest story, God needs to point out the brokenness and messiness of humanity that wreaks havoc on his creation that he loves. To gloss over that would not be helpful. The Bible is God's story about him and us. It's a story that unapologetically points out that we need a rescuer. It's a story that wants us to know how loved we are uh, so loved that God himself would come down and be that rescuer for us. And it, it's a story that God tells us through narrative and poetry and genealogies and legal code and epistles and all sorts of other literary genres. And so we can come to the scriptures, open them, and start reading this story. But it's not quite that simple. Uh, we don't just read the scriptures, we come to the scriptures with our own expectations, expectations of what it should be, what it should say, of what it should do to us. And let me say, though, you know, it's not bad to come uh, to the scriptures with expectations. It can just be helpful to name some of those expectations, uh, especially when we feel disconnected and disappointed with what we're reading. So at times, you know, we come to the scriptures looking for answers, for information about God or God's will or arrows kind of pointing the way forward and the decisions we need to make. We want an answer and we open the scriptures to find it. And again, that's not a bad thing. You know, what should I do about the tension with my in-laws? How should I respond to a problematic coworker? What career or college major should I pursue? What, what about my frustrating neighbor? Uh, what about a rocky marriage? 
Or maybe your quest for answers is a bit more intellectual. You want to know more about God. The kinds of things Jesus said, ancient Israel's history, the problem of evil, there's you know, a bit more of an intellectual bent to the pursuit of answers. Um, but, what it, but what does it mean when you open the Bible and read and read and read and it doesn't seem like the questions that are important to you that you want or need to be answered are actually answered? Doesn't God care about your questions? Doesn't he care about how an answer might change your mind or your decisions or your behavior? And let me assure you that he does care, but maybe he cares about things a little differently or from a different angle than you and I do. We prize information in our society. Finish this cultural proverb for me. Knowledge is? Yeah power. We have more information than we could ever possibly explore and integrate into our lives. And knowledge matters to God. Paul wrote uh, this to the Christian community in the ancient city of Colossae. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So God cares about knowledge but when our view of the scriptures is one where it's mainly there to provide us answers to life, life questions, we will inevitably be disappointed. Because God's story doesn't primarily offer us information, it offers us transformation. Transformation through God's words, breathed out, that we then take in as we read the scriptures. Transformation as the Spirit works in us, stitching those words into our hearts and our minds, empowering us not just to know things, but to live those words out. Which means that at times, the more helpful thing for us isn't more information. It's the act of surrender, or trust, or hope, or strength, or faith which means at times our questions will go unanswered. But maybe we don't come to the scriptures with expectations of answers per se. We come to the scriptures expecting to experience something transcendent, something beyond the reach of normal human experience. We open up the written word of God, God's story to humanity, anticipating something, an epiphany, a new insight into the mysterious wild of your inner world, uh, a line of text that makes you stop and read and then read again and then read again. We believe these are God's words, and so we expect something powerful. And I don't think it's wrong to long for God's power at work in your life. In fact, that's a good thing, you know, to feel it and to, to see it through what the Scriptures have to say. But it can become problematic if we assume that if we read the scriptures correctly and or, you know, live faithfully to God, then we will have consistently powerful, transcendent experiences as we read the scriptures. This expectation can kind of devolve into a transactional kind of interaction. If, if I do blank, then blank will happen. If I read my Bible well or consistently, then I will experience God's transcendence. 
And if I don't experience that, either something is wrong with what I'm doing or something is wrong with the Bible. It can be helpful to remember two things. One is that our definition of power or transcendence might be different than God's. God's power and transcendence is revealed through the parting of the Red Sea and also through a a small, quiet voice speaking to a scared, depressed prophet. It looks like Jesus calming a stormy sea with his words, and it looks like Jesus saying a prayer of forgiveness as people killed him. It looks like a radical conversion experience, and it looks like contentment through suffering and having very little. We may have assumptions about what God's power should feel like. The second thing to remember is that God has not told his story and given it to us as a transactional vehicle for our own spiritual experiences. He's given it to us so that we can know him and that we can know ourselves through his eyes. The scriptures are the way that God has invited us into a relationship with him, and relationships can be explosive, powerful, knock-you-off-your-feet kind of stuff in awe and joy and delight, and they can be grounded in the mundane routine of sharing everyday life. Not exciting, maybe even a little bit boring. Which means... Maybe there's nothing wrong when you don't feel swept up off your feet when you read the Scriptures. Perhaps when you opened to the Scriptures, read, and felt a bit disappointed with the experience that you're actually experiencing the day-to-day realities of a lifelong commitment to Jesus. Maybe your disappointment can be a conversation topic between you and Jesus, a way to actually connect with Him relationally. And one other expectation we can bring to the scriptures is an expectation of inspiration. You know, there are tons of texts, ideas, phrases within the Bible that can bring encouragement. People quite often get these tattooed on their bodies. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, or it's a word written in Koine Greek or Hebrew, you know, agape or chesed, or it's an image based on a text. And let me say, there's nothing wrong with that artistically commemorating something meaningful, meaningful to you from the scriptures is fine. Opening the scriptures when you're depressed and hoping for encouragement is a good thing to do. When you feel furious because you've been wronged and you read the words of Jesus and they, they kind of tr- to turn the other cheek and, and you kind of get centered on something bigger than your pain, that's a good thing. The poetic imagery of the scriptures can really lift your heart in joyous awe. All all of that, good things. Feeling inspired, feeling more positive, feeling better and more grounded because of the scriptures, again, isn't bad. It's good. And we can run into trouble, though, when we think the Bible is there for us mainly for inspiration. We should feel better when we read the scriptures, or the Bible should make me feel better when I read God's story. And if I don't feel encouraged or more positive throughout my day or more grounded in order to make better decisions, then what's wrong with me? Then what's wrong with the Bible? But much like God has chosen to include hard, disturbing, or confusing things within the scriptures in order to honestly reflect the state of humanity, so too does the scriptures speak to our full range of emotional experiences. Not just the positive feelings, 
the Bible invites us to acknowledge the full range of human emotions as part of God's story. So maybe sometimes, instead of looking for inspiration to shake you out of your depressed mood, you turn to a lament psalm and read the inspired words of God through the psalmist who cries out to God because of their emotional pain. Their pain becomes a way to connect with God, not an impediment to it. And at the end of the day, whatever expectations you bring to the scriptures, please hear me when I say this. Whether it feels like it or not, every single time you open up the scriptures, you are hearing God's voice. You are hearing from God whether you realize it or acknowledge it or not. And it might be hard to hear this, uh, but since this is God's story to us, you know, his voice speaking to us, he does so as he wishes, not as we necessarily want or demand. Uh, the guy who translated the Message Bible, Eugene Peterson, wrote this about the scriptures. He said, we do not read the Bible and the subsequent writings that are shaped by it in order to find out how to get God into our lives, to get him to participate in our lives. No, we open this book and find that page after page, it takes us off guard, surprises us, and draws us into its reality, pulls us into participation with God on his terms. We don't read the scriptures in order to drag God into our story our choices, our, our five- or ten-year plans. God invites us to read the Scriptures, His story, in order to draw us into His choices, His desires, and His plans. I want to share with you guys just an example from my own life of this, uh, from just one simple kind of uh, random text, um, you know, the ups and downs and in-between of hearing from God through the scriptures. So uh, back in like 2016 or 2017, I was sitting in a seminary classroom listening to a lecture on the Old Testament and the book of Isaiah. At that point, I was fairly familiar with the Bible. I guess I had read Isaiah probably, I would guess, around a dozen times or so, give or take. Um, and I, I think I was kind of like scanning a little bit of Isaiah while the professor was kind of bringing his uh, lecture to a conclusion so that we could take a break. And my eyes landed on Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. I read that line, and it stopped me in my tracks. I, I remember kind of vaguely hearing the professor end the lecture, and then everyone kind of got up and started milling around during the break, but my eyes were just glued on this one verse, just reading it over and over again. Again, I, I had read this verse before probably a dozen times. It had never stuck out to me before to the point that I would never have even remembered that it was in the Bible. Uh, but that day, it was different. It was different in, I guess I would describe it as an experience of being like seen and affirmed by God. I read that verse and felt like a shockingly strong impression that this 
was a way that he created me to operate vocationally as a pastor and a way I could reflect an aspect of God to the people around me. And right there in that stuffy seminary classroom, uh, I started crying. And I tried to be discreet about it, like hide behind my laptop and not make a scene. Um, But I was absolutely floored by God speaking to me through this verse. It just completely caught me off guard, and I was just awed by the verse and by God. And it's a verse that has gone on to be one of the foundational paradigms uh, I kind of have as I pastor people, especially in one-on-one meetings. Um, I memorized the verse. If I was a tattoo kind of guy, I would have gotten it tattooed on me somewhere. It, like, it, it has become a part of me. And over the years, not that I forgot about it, but, but it became so integrated into how I viewed myself that I rarely felt the need to kind of revisit it for like the millionth time. There was not the same kind of wow experience as before. So fast forward to about a year, year and a half ago, and I was working to discern what God was leading me into. I was finished with seminary, but I felt like God was kind of stirring in me that there was something more to pursue. And to make a long story short, through tons of uh, prayer, conversations with friends and mentors, I finally started to kind of wonder if God was calling me to go back to school and to add the role of mental health counselor to my vocation, which was not what I expected. Uh, After five years of seminary, more school, more papers, what if I didn't like counseling? What if I wasn't any good at it? What if I sacrificed my time and energy and garnered the support of my wife, Hannah, and filled up my schedule and took away time from my two girls, and this pursuit crashed and burned? I was apprehensive. This is a little bit of dread. And I mean, uh, there's a little bit of like hopefulness, and I was kind of excited too, but man. And I love school, but at least three more years of it seemed so daunting. I was just starting to get used to being done with seminary. (laughs) And then during that process, one day I decided to look up Isaiah 50 verse 4 again. I can't remember what prompted me, but I reread it. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. But this time I saw it through a joint vocation of pastor and mental health counselor. Kind of that second part of the verse rang in in my mind. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. It just rang in my mind as I thought of the foundational skill of a counselor as the ability to listen. And this time, instead of awe and wonder and feeling lots of good feelings, I felt a groan in my heart as I thought about the sacrifice it would take to pursue this dual vocation. Years of my life, countless hours. Another long story short, but I'm at peace today with the sacrifice of time and effort and energy to pursue this dual vocation. There's not much of a groan anymore about the sacrifice except at the end of the term, which I think is understandable. Uh, But about a month ago, I came back to this verse. I was thinking and praying about 
some like questions and fears of how this pursuit of kind of dual vocation would change me, and I know it will, but what if I don't like how it changes me? What if it messes with some of my values? I personally like my values, how they are, thank you very much. And I sat and I read the words of Isaiah 50, verse 4, the sovereign Yahweh has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. I read those words and felt a new sense of reassurance and comfort within those fears that the sovereign Yahweh has made me with intentionality and purpose. And that's been my experience with one verse over about seven years. <laughs> Read again and again before all of that with nothing to make the words noteworthy, just more inspired words from God's story that have gone in one ear and out the other. And then one day, they became deeply moving and powerful in my life. They, they shaped me and drew me closer to Jesus. And then over time, they drifted into the background. And then when the time called for it, Jesus brought them back out to me in a fresh way, and it filled me with, ugh. And eventually, it brought me reassurance and comfort. And hopefully, this can kind of be an encouragement to you. Uh, the scriptures aren't always a linear, fun experience, but they are worth it. Because for 2,000 years of church history and tra tradition, the scriptures have been the foundational way to hear God speak, to take in his inspired words as you read his story. If you want to hear from God, you start with his story. And as you do so, as you take in his story and are drawn into it, it's easier to understand when God is speaking to you through other means, prayer, prophecy, through creation, and through the church. How do you know when God is speaking to you or if it's something else? Start with his story. Start with the scriptures. Next week, we'll be talking more about the scriptures and our response to the authority they have in our lives tonight. Uh, sorry, but there's no 10 steps to liven up your time reading the Bible, no five tips to feel God's presence while you read his story. There are good helpful ways to approach reading the scriptures that may awaken your soul and mind in a fresh way, like it can kind of be like a, a relationship stuck in a rut. Sometimes you need to shake things up a bit to re-engage in a meaningful way with the other person. There are many ways you can approach reading the Bible. We've done a lot of those teachings before over the years. Go sc scroll through our podcast feed if that's what you feel you need. Tonight, I just want to end with this. Whatever you're feeling about the scriptures in this moment, whether it's gratitude or excitement or you're feeling annoyed or discouraged, maybe you feel scared because you felt the sting of the Bible weaponized against you, or maybe you just feel indifferent to all of this and you're just waiting for me to stop talking. <laughs> Whatever it is that you're feeling... I want to lead us into a time of response to connect with Jesus over how we feel about the scriptures right now. So if you guys are willing, let, let's pray, and I'm going to invite Jesus to kind of speak over us as a church.
Thanks for listening to Vance City. You can connect with us and find more teachings and available resources at www.vancity.church. You can support Vance City financially at vancity.church/give.